to ask you to pray with me. Lord Jesus, be with us now as we pause to consider this amazing story of your birth. Give us grace to see new things, things that you have gathered us here to, to hear. Help us to believe that we're here because you have seen to it. So give us grace now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. In preparing, I came across a fantastic poem by Howard Thurman. If you haven't discovered Howard Thurman, I cannot, I cannot recommend it enough. Um, I connect him on many levels. I'm from Florida. He's from Florida. Small town, small town. Moved to San Francisco, planted a church. He did the same thing. Um, if you're not aware of this person, you just have to realize that Martin Luther King Jr. carried Howard Thurman's book with him everywhere he went, Jesus and the Disinherited. Um, and to this day, Jesse Jackson says he does the same thing. So really important person. I encourage you to, to discover him as I have in the past few years, too late in many ways. In his poem, The Work of Christmas, he says, When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and the princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flocks, the work of Christmas begins. To find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among people, to make music in the heart. And what I loved about this poem was the poem itself, but just that one phrase, the work of Christmas. It's almost as if he's saying Christmas is an invitation into the work that God is doing to repair the world. I've never thought of it quite that way before. But it's important because as Nadia Bowles-Weber says, Christmas reveals a God who has entered our world as it actually exists and not as the world we often wish it could be. We've lost the plot if we use religion as the place where we escape from difficult realities instead of as the place where those realities, those difficult realities are given meaning, are given meaning. So what does it look like to do the work of Christmas? Now, from those first two readings, I'm going to pick out just a couple of things. The first is the work of Christmas is right here and right now. And why do I say that? <clears throat> you know, around this time of year, you get a lot of people, not as much maybe this year, but I've heard it a lot, people saying things like, you know, let's put the Christ back in Christmas, you know? And what I would like to say to you tonight that might be even more dangerous is we actually need to put the Rome back in Christmas, I mean, right out of the gate, when you read this passage, what do you read? You read about the census. You read about Augustus, Caesar Augustus. You read that this happens in a political moment. And Luke really wants you to know that. I mean, if Matthew really wants you to know that Jesus is the second Moses, Luke wants you to know that Jesus has come for the poor. Jesus has come to turn things upside down. Jesus has come to be with those who are left out, cast out. Jesus has come to repair the world, including the oppression of empire. So he keeps Rome in Christmas because the birth of Jesus is a political event. I mean, think about what are politics. Politics are how we order the world about the decisions we make regarding our common life. It's about power. It's about economics and how they are shared or hoarded. And when you read about Jesus, you see these terms that we have come familiar with have been raised in the church. Son of God, Lord, Savior. All intentional words that these early Christians used to describe Jesus because somebody else was claiming those very titles for themselves. Caesar himself. This Augustus that we've read about who's asking for the census would have been referred to as Savior, Lord, Son of God. And the early Christians were saying, Jesus is the Son of God. 
Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the Savior, not the fake Messiah in Rome. Not the politics of coercion and of acquisition and of conquering, but a politics of peace and equity and compassion. Even the phrase, good news, Luke is ripping off from Rome. Because they would say, we have a gospel to proclaim. Here are all the peoples we've conquered, and this is how brutal our violence was. And if you get in the way of it, you'll be grinded to the dust as well. And Luke is saying, no, this is an alternative vision. A different kind of Messiah, a different kind of government, the realm of God, as Jesus talked about it altogether. So Luke is asking us first, which, which vision are you aligning yourself with tonight? This Savior or that one? This political Messiah who will bet everything on their nationalistic impulse, the Caesar in Rome and other leaders of this day? Or that Messiah, the one who came to bring peace, the one who comes in weakness as a baby, the one born in the midst of political turmoil who had to run for his life and be a political refugee himself? Luke is saying, which one is it? Because the good news for the first century to these original hearers is also good news to us in the 21st century about these same exact issues. How is power being wielded? And can it be wielded in a way that brings life and health and flourishing and peace? This is why Gustav Guterres said, to work for a just world where there's not servitude, oppression, or alienation is to work for the advent of the Messiah. So that's the first challenge. It's good news. The work of Christmas is for here and now. It's not just a story to read then. It's actually something to be engaged in with our whole lives at this very moment as we seek the repairing of the world together as a community. So Luke's big emphasis is Jesus is greater than Caesar in the realm of God. Jesus proclaimed is more just and human than Roman's empire or any empire. So the work is here now. Secondly, the work is for everyone. Now, why do I say the work is for everyone? Shepherds, that's all I have to say. Shepherds are everywhere. Shepherds, the undesirable, shepherds who couldn't give testimony in a court of law, shepherds who, well, let's just put it this way. When God came to slip on skin and take on human flesh, he surrounded himself with riffraff, <laughs> with these shepherds. It's almost like Luke is saying, hey, everybody, if the shepherds are in, we're all in. If they're letting them through the door, they're letting all of us through the door. It's a big deal that shepherds find themselves so front and center throughout the story of this birth. I think, I think of Mary and Joseph exhausted <laughs> holding this child after all they've been through, and in crashes all these dirty, stinking, smelly shepherds talking about tales of singing angels. And I imagine them looking at them, each other and saying, yeah, that's on brand for what we've experienced in the last few months. <laughs> that's about as crazy as it's been for us, and here it is again. Because the work of Christmas includes you. It includes me. The work of Christmas, the work of the gospel, is inclusion in many ways. What is your favorite holiday? I think we know this down in our knower, down deep we know this to be the case. How powerful it is to be included after you've been excluded. My favorite holiday movie, and I know it's a Thanksgiving film, but hey, it's a Christmas Eve sermon. I'm a little desperate. Um, planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I, 
I, I watched again today, just for fun, the last six or eight minutes of that film, and again, I cried. And it always does the same thing to me. Poor Dell, poor Dell Griffiths, shower curtain ring salesman, is included. He's gone the whole film acting as if he has a wife, acting as if he has a home, all these different things, and it dawns on Steve Martin at the end. This man's by himself. And so he turns the train around, he finds Dell there, and he takes him home. And that scene of them walking up to the house with that, what's the name of the song? Every time I think, I don't know, part of me with you. Man, I need Mina here, somebody to help me. But that, that song, that song playing, and you see Dell being accepted. It's powerful, powerful. Helping people, even shepherds and Dell Griffiths, find home is the work of Christmas. It's for everybody. And then the last thing I'm going to say is that the work of Christmas, it's here and now, it's for right this moment, it's for everyone, and it's also divinely sanctioned. Why do I say that? Because just as there are shepherds everywhere, there are angels everywhere as well in this story. And it's Luke's way of saying, this is God's doing. This is God's plan. This is God coming to take on flesh. This is a God who has always been with us. Emmanuel, God with us, because God can't not be with us. As the Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians 4, God is, over, is one with everything. He is over all, through all, and in all. God with us where God has always been. If we can open our eyes to see it, if we can hear that, if we can in some way experience that, even if it means we experience it through one another during different seasons of our life. But this work, the work of Christmas, is for everyone. It's divinely sanctioned. So when you read, to you this day is born a Savior, do you realize that you are the you in that sentence? That you're the you. Unto you. Put your name there. Unto you, Fred Harrell. Unto you, Rhonda. Unto you, Bob. Unto you, Doug. Unto you. Put your name in there. Unto you, a child is born. Who is a Savior? Unto you. I mean, who's listening right now who needs that in their life? To know that God is doing this for you. Unto you, unto you, the mother without her own children who's listening to this right now. Unto you, the addict who can't seem to keep clean. Unto you, the survivor of COVID and depression and anxiety and everything else you've had to survive, we've had to survive this year and the year before. Unto you who can't lose it because you have to keep it together for other, everyone else. Parents, pastors, Healthcare workers, friends, family members, unto you, the bullied kid at school, unto you, the anxious middle schooler, unto you, whose family really never got you. Is that you tonight? Unto you, who lost your parents or grandparents this year, unto you, whose job has become lifeless and even toxic, unto you, with an adult child who's having such a hard time growing up, unto you, suffering from depression, unto you who doesn't know how in the world you can keep going, unto you, unto you, a 
child is born, and also unto me. And also unto me and all who already smell of sheep and grass and dirt like shepherds. Unto you. Merry Christmas. Let us pray. Gracious God, help us today to engage in the work of Christmas. To see it as an invitation to join you in the repairing of this world. In the renewal of all things as your son called it. And so this Christmas, we pray in the midst of our difficulty, in the midst of our challenges, in the midst of all that is overwhelming us right now. Help us to believe that you came for us, that all of this is really just a celebration of your tenacious love for all that you have made. May we taste of it and know it more deeply in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name.